Hello and welcome to The Thought Leader's Voice. I'm Rachel Kinsella, Editor-in-Chief at our Research Services and your host today. When women rise, we all rise. Let's engineer a more sustainable future. In keeping with our International Women's Day discussions and providing a platform for sustainable global technology for good initiatives, we're delighted to have Nav Sawney, founder of the Washing Machine Project, as our guest today. 70% of the world's population lacks access to an electric washing machine, something that many of us take for granted. Hand washing clothes sounds like a simple task, but for many around the world, particularly women in disadvantaged communities, it poses a significant obstacle to their well-being and livelihood. By providing displaced and low-income communities with an accessible off-grid washing solution, the mission of the Washing Machine Project is to empower women within these communities with the time to take charge over their lives. And now to introduce the person that's making all this happen. Nav was born and brought up in London, but his family are from unpartitioned India. During the 1947 Indian independence, his father and his family fled their home from what is now Pakistan with only the clothes on their backs. This has always been the foundation of why he wants to help people fleeing conflict. Whether it's building life-saving cookstoves in rural India, being a trustee of an international development charity, Engineers Without Borders UK, building clean water systems for an orphanage in Namibia, or volunteering his time at a local homeless shelter for migrants in London. He's always been passionate about helping others with a particular interest in international development. With over five years of professional engineering experience at global technology companies such as Dyson and Jaguar Land Rover behind him, now's the perfect moment for Nav to combine this desire to help people with his engineering skills. It's really great to have you here today, Nav. A very warm welcome to the Thought Leader's Voice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Rachel. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Brilliant. Thank you. So the Washing Machine Project was born from your engineering background. Can you tell us a bit more about your story and how the project came about? Yeah, so I studied aerospace engineering as a undergraduate in London. At the time, I was obsessed with getting a graduate scheme. I remember I applied to probably over 200 graduate schemes and I got a couple of job offers. And then when Dyson came calling, I kind of just jumped at the opportunity but I didn't really know what I was applying for. You know, I was obsessed with just getting on to the, the best graduate program that I could at the time. And the experience at Dyson was amazing. I was there for three years and it was fascinating to see how you can problem solve consumers' issues, iterative design and product development for 10 years to come. But I realized that every good bit of engineering that I was doing was essentially just making a vacuum cleaner for a rich person. And I kind of got fed up of that, started questioning my self-worth and what I was doing in my life. And there's no disrespect to the amazing engineers at Dyson or anyone else that's making some really cool things. For me, it just didn't sit right that, you know, my engineer wasn't helping others. There's so many things going on in the world at the time, and I wanted to help. And so I moved to South India to make cookstoves. I went to India to make cookstoves with Engineers Without Borders UK. And this experience of making cookstoves completely changed my life. And very simple things that I took for granted, like having running water or continuous electricity or good sanitation were just absent or very kind of infrequent where I was living in, in this rural village. The experience of making cookstoves 
for the bottom of the pyramid, so to speak, was eye-opening. And my next-door neighbor, a lady called Divya, inspired me to create a solution for her. Her name was Divya, and Divya's everyday struggle was real, and it was very apparent from the moment she woke up to the moment she slept. You know, this kind of unpaid burden that she took on. And unfortunately, disproportionately is placed on women around the world, from fetching water to foraging for wood, to educating her son at home in darkness, to having to hand wash her clothes. Every kind of task that Divya had to do was just a bit harder compared to what someone in the UK would have had to do, have done. It meant that Divya's opportunities were severely hampered because they were based around her daily tasks. So she wanted to work but didn't have the time. She spoke perfect English. She wanted to go back to the university to study. She wanted to rest, just didn't have that time. So I promised her a solution to make one part of her daily activity a bit better, and that was a manual washing machine. And, you know, this problem is widespread, and it's not just Divya. It's, you know, over 5 billion families. And that promise was made in 2018, and, and that's when the washing machine project was born. Wow. So really on the ground problem solving, coming up with a solution just to, to make a difference in one area and seeing the knock-on effects of, of how that can make a difference to lives more broadly. And it's a, a fantastic story and it must be very rewarding to be able to, to use those engineering skills and that knowledge of technology to be able to create realistic solutions. Yeah, I think, I think so. And when I wake up in the morning now, I, I have this extra kind of spring in my step working towards a, a higher purpose than my own and, you know, so lucky that we now have a, an amazing team around us and, you know, some great partners and mentors that are also, you know, trying to help fulfill this mission and future missions going forwards. That's brilliant. I mean, how have you gone about um, building and, and creating that team? Is it volunteers? It's uh, I see that you've got a great group of people around you as, as part of the project. Yeah, well, I came back home in, in 2018. I armed with this promise. Um, I didn't know anything about starting an organization, but I knew a couple of things about designing products. And so we kind of just went back to basics. We'd have meetings around my my mom's kitchen table. I'd kind of just grab the attention of some of my old friends in previous employments. At the time, it was very interesting. Everyone was also quite frustrated with the work that they do, pushing Excel sheets, and everyone wanted to do a bit more. So I kind of tapped into all of that. I remember this one meeting where it was me and three of my kind of humanitarian and design engineering friends, and we said, what if we make this washing machine like a salad spinner? And uh, that's where we got the idea when we were in the kitchen uh, in my mom's house. And those kinds of things are only possible because you have good people around you that want to do good and believe in the mission. And since 2018, we've had over 200 volunteers give 10 to 15 hours of their time from you know over 10 countries around the world. But now we have a small but growing team of full-time staff members working in operations engineering and marketing. That's fantastic. I think innovation in practice in the uh, informal setting, bringing about meeting of minds and 
uh, and creativity to come up with those uh, problem solving ideas and and growing from there. It's a very firm foundation to to work from, and it's great to see how you've grown and and you've got those full time team members now working across core areas of the business. Yeah, and I think we were always very wary of this place of privilege we come from um, here in the UK in London, designing products for women in, in refugee camps or women in rural areas or urban areas is so abstract and we've kind of attached a, a very kind of heavy research focus to our, our daily activity. So we've traveled to 17 countries, interviewed over three and a half thousand families on washing habits and kind of each family is a, is a promise. Each family that we speak to is a promise to make their life a little better and each kind of insight is, is fed back into the future designs that we come up with. I love that. It shows the importance of research in, in it, looking at solving those those issues. And as you say, I love that you say each family is a, is a promise, but it's based on on what you're seeing on the ground and and actually putting yourself in, the, in their shoes in terms of understanding their experience and, the, and their challenges um, and then acting on that. Um, once you you have that 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 real time research, that's been a crucial element of of building up the project and uh, in doing those country visits and 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 getting that that research together. Um, have you been working with with partners on on that as well in terms of coverage for for different countries and and different areas? Yeah, I think this problem is just too big for us to handle alone, and we really believe in the power of partnerships and. Various different countries around the world, we're not the experts. You know, there's there's some amazing organizations, grassroots and international INGOs or government bodies that, that work diligently on the ground, that have access to, to refugees, know the context very well, or conduct safe practices and, you know, are doing it with dignity. And we partnered with some of the, the biggest household names from Oxfam to Save the Children to UN, UNHCR and and to, you know, grassroots uh, mom and pop organizations that are just trying to help their local community and everything in between. And that's really where we love to do our work. Um, it, we, it's actually something that was forced upon us uh, with COVID, I think. Before we would, we would go out there and work with these local organizations, but now we don't need to go out there. They can do it and as long as we're communicative with the output, I think it works quite well. Great. So, yeah, have people there on the ground in countries themselves that uh, you've been able to work in partnership with and uh, and keep communication going to get that research and that feedback and also to be able to, to launch various new initiatives. Have you got particular uh, initiatives planned in particular areas? Sort of what are the goals going forward? Yeah, so over the last couple of years, we've been uh, heavily piloting our design or our product it's a 5 kg manual crank handle washing machine called the devia washing machine so we have done three pilots in iraq and lebanon really really insightful stuff uh, and kind of each pilot has informed the next one um we're now open for pre-order we've had orders and interest from 27 countries in excess of 4,000 washing machines uh, and we're now in this position of, I call it the valley of death, 
because it's so challenging to go from pilot to scale up and finding the right contract manufacturers that would get these machines from you know the hundreds what we're producing now to the thousands and what we hope to achieve by the end of the year uh, into next year the demand is very reassuring and it's it's all very organic right now we've had a lot of help from social media and and uh, lots of PR campaigns that we've been doing and I'm really excited for the future I think there's lots of lots of machines that we can send out to people uh, around the world and I'm really excited in, in into what more we can do and what more innovation that we can fill in the pipeline in the future in terms of new products and new innovations brilliant I think there's you know a few key areas there aren't the power of of these strategic partnerships, large and small, whether they're sort of particularly community focused or whether they're they're global organisations, there's the the PR side and the communication side, um, being able to use the research that you've conducted in those areas as well, so that people understand what the issues are and and where the potential solutions lie. I mean, it's been great to obviously seen you on TV, many of us, and uh, on various different interviews and, and shows spreading the word. So it's uh, you know, obviously one of the reasons why you're talking to us today. So we're delighted to be able to, to share your story and, and to be able to draw attention to what the project is doing. Are there any other areas of, obviously, it's very turbulent times at, at the moment for, for so many reasons and looking at uh, sustainable solutions? Are you seeing more sort of corporate partnerships that are working with initiatives like your own to start to scale up? Yeah, I think COP26, back in November, COP26 in, in Glasgow was a real pivotal moment for governments and, and corporates working together to try and tackle this climate crisis. And big fast food chains are, are making vegan alternatives now various different activities are, are becoming so mainstream. It's now cool to be vegetarian, whereas 10 years ago when I was, it wasn't. Uh, and it was always difficult. And then when that comes to services and products and hardware, there's two sides of this. Corporates on the government side are being pushed to do better and their employees are holding them to account. I think that's a very interesting watershed moment. That coupled with the SDG goals, and by 2030 we have to and poverty and, and things like that. And that is a kind of recipe or, or a melting pot of huge corporates and any corporate right now looking internally and, and seeing how they can do better. And the Washing Machine Project is a very good organization where a corporate can come on board. Uh, we've had FTSE 100 companies come on and help us grow and scale to you know target four or five SDGs. and it's been really interesting this last two years to see how corporates can make a change and make a difference with the knowledge and expertise that they already have. Excellent. What would you say, would you have words of advice for corporates who are looking to do more around the SDGs, to do more in terms of corporate conscience and supporting initiatives like the Washing Machine Project? Yeah, I think uh, greenwashing is a very real thing. And saying something and doing something is very different. It's coming, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to do more. And it's very, very important to stay ahead of the curve, I think, uh, rather than waiting for a few years and, and then 
being left behind. And we've seen it so many times in the past in, in other respects. But my advice to corporates is really kind of study the landscape in their own industries and seeing what more can they do, I think. And these skills are quite transferable to grassroots organizations and, and charities and social enterprises that, that, that want to help and make a difference as well. For me, um, on, a, on a personal level, I think it's just, I'm speechless when every time I think that, you know, we're sending rockets to Mars and 88% of South Sudan have, don't have access to soap. For me, that's, that's a very big inequality that I can't consciously ignore. We're seeing it right now in, in Ukraine, where all of this is kind of being played out in front of our eyes and we we're here we're witnessing it and that goes for yemen and palestine and syria and somalia and what happened in myanmar and bangladesh we're we're seeing it and we will be held to account uh, in the future i think it's such a good time for corporates to come on board pick an stg and just try and help in any way they can yeah absolutely and as you say cop 26 has been this watershed moment where it's actually started to drive action rather than just words. Obviously, it spawned multiple commitments. There were many from the G7 before that, but firms are really stepping up now and, and starting to take actions. As you say, pick a, an SDG or, or several and, and work towards them and study the industries that they, they operate in and, and how they interact with the environment, different communities in that capacity, and then look at where they can affect positive change. As you rightly say, greenwashing is an enormous problem in particular industries. It's across the board, but we've done research over the past year that has just highlighted the predominance of greenwashing in financial services and technology in particular. But again, there are organisations large and small within those industries who are striving to make a difference and have made very firm commitments that they're backing up with action. I think there's still a lot more to be done. But as you say, it's kind of going down the slope and gathering momentum and things are starting to change. And the problem is what will happen is if you don't do that, consumers are becoming much more conscious. They would rather spend more money to be ethical than, than less money, knowing that their salaries are, are going to help organisations that are, are toxic for the environment or the, or the world or the people and planet. And we're seeing it's not, that's not happening en masse, but cancel culture is, is a huge thing. Now, you, you say or do a wrong thing, your brand could be finished, unfortunately. And that has its positives and, and negatives. But I think when it comes to the environment, yeah, corporates will have, will have their day of reckoning. I think you're right. I think so. It's again something else that's come up in our research time and again that um, consumers are demanding more more ethical suppliers across all fronts, whether that's within the business-to-business space, looking across the supply chain, whether it's actual end consumers who are demanding more more ethical goods, products, services, and looking at the provenance, looking at how the organisations that they're interacting with are benefiting the community. What what are they doing to try and help the, the environment? So, you know, what what's their, their overall uh, background and footprint? And are they actually doing what the, what they say? Is there greenwashing going going on? And and if it is, customers are, are calling it out. And, and we're seeing that more and more. And 
again, it's it's something that it's a bit of a wake up call for corporate world and hopefully will will help to shape through customer demand and through employee demand. It's really starting to to shape how how various different organizations operate. And in that sense, it's a it's a very positive thing. Yeah, I think so. And just to kind of flip that on his head and bring it back to the washing machine project, we're designing products for people who have had little to no impact on the environment. These people are in in situations that are not their fault in some instances, and their main focus isn't the environment. Their main focus is to survive and prosper. So this is, I don't know if you've read it, but it's kind of donut economics of living in our planetary boundaries, but actually lifting out a billion people that are still starving today and so that everyone strives and everyone prospers within our planetary boundaries. I think there's a balance that we have to play and I'll be honest and we kind of accidentally stepped into this kind of sustainability conversation. It wasn't our primary focus. Our mission is to alleviate the burden of unpaid labor and however that will come around and it's just that we're making off-the-grid washing machines because it works well and that's really important to have that balance I think. Yeah it's a very important point and raising awareness of people who who are still in that situation they're fighting to to survive and, and struggling against numerous challenges so it's while that is part of the SDGs and and part of the you know the combined global approach it's serves to to highlight the stark inequalities that you were talking about about earlier and and we mustn't forget that when we're we're looking at doing good from a corporate sense I think that's a very important point I think uh, we've managed to cover off an awful lot already is there anything else that you would like to share with us in terms of your your current plans for the project and and where you're taking it to next or is it sort of early days in in terms of some of your planning so 12,000 washing machines next year is the aim and the goal growing to a team of about 15 I think all goes well next year and then new products so refrigeration is something that we've always been quite interested in off the grid refrigeration how can we innovate around refrigeration air conditioning lighting uh, those kinds of things uh, is is the kind of product portfolio in the next five to ten years that's very exciting yeah our mission is to to become a, a global leader in humanitarian innovation so across various different we're product agnostic so to speak and we want to become the Dyson of the humanitarian world that's fantastic really impressive mission to have and it sounds like with everything that, that you're doing that you're really well on your way to uh, to continuing to develop new products new new solutions helping many many more people that's really fantastic yeah and for me it's, it's quite surreal having this conversation because all i wanted to do was make a washing machine for my next neighbor and i think keeping in, in mind the end user and and trying to help every single family that we, we talk to and giving back the, the dignity of clean clothes and that mission whether we make 100 washing machines or 100,000 washing machines impact is impact i think that's very very fulfilling absolutely fantastic thank you very much now it's been 
really great talking to you today. Best of luck with everything. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch and keep checking in on progress and wish you and your, your team every success with, with the great work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rachel.